Hello, fellow Rebel Capitalists. Hope you're well. OPEC drops a bombshell on the oil market just last night. They have an emergency meeting, just like Janet Yellen had, and they came out and announced that they're going to make some huge production cuts. And we have seen the price of oil today respond accordingly. Let's go right into this article from CNBC and try to figure out if this is going to increase the rate of consumer price inflation in the United States and what on earth is the Fed going to do. Now they're really backed up into a corner. Let's go right over to this article from CNBC. Check this out and try to connect some dots here. So title, OPEC Plus just made the Fed's job more complicated. Why? Well, because you guys know that oil is pretty much an input cost for everything. So if the price of oil goes to $200 a barrel, well, that's going to put a lot of upward pressure on consumer prices globally and right in the United States. Here's what it did and what could be next. Several OPEC Plus members on Sunday announced intentions to voluntarily cut a further combined 1.16 million barrels per day of production in a move independent from the broader bloc's output strategies. The second key talking point, the reduction will challenge consumer governments such as the U.S., which are already tackling high inflation and volatility in the banking sector. It will also challenge the U.S. ability to bring oil back into the strategic petroleum reserve, and which equals national security. More on that in a moment. A formal meeting of OPEC technical committee took place on Monday to review the group's existing strategy. Okay, let's get into the meat of the, the article here. And as you would imagine, Washington, D.C. immediately pushes back. They criticize this, which is further increasing the tensions between Saudi Arabia, the BRICS countries, and the United States. Let's see, they lashed out at, uh, looks like, the leader of Saudi Arabia and, and key allies, Kuwait and the UAE. They said that they would remove that said they would remove more than 1 million barrels per day, as we discussed earlier. Uh, this adds to Russia existing intention to trim 500,000 barrels per day of its own production. And so a couple rumors there from experts that I'm hearing on Twitter as to why they may be doing this. Uh, th the obvious is they're trying to basically give the middle finger to the United States and make their life more difficult, putting pressure on them for putting pressure on Russia or any of these BRIC countries. It could be a way for China to exert their influence on Saudi Arabia to make sure that they're kind of weakening the United States and weakening the U.S. economy. And you know who knows what they have in store later on in the year or maybe into 2024, as we've discussed on this channel. Maybe it's just a way to kind of grind down the United States. If you grind down the economy, you kind of grind down the country's ability to defend itself. But I think what's what's more probable is something that uh, 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 an oil expert that's on macro voices all the time, his name is Anas Alhaji, and hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. And uh, he was just on a Twitter spaces. And I heard him say that in his opinion, this is them bringing down production just really to meet demand. So they see demand really going down on their end, and they see demand going down in the future. Why? Because they're paying attention to the yield curve, just like we've been doing on this channel. 
and they see that tsunami, that economic tsunami coming out at them at 500 miles per hour. Again, something we've been talking about on this channel pretty much constantly for the last six months. And they know, just like you guys know from watching my videos, that it's not just the inversion of the curve. It's when the curve is no longer inverted. That's when the proverbial stuff usually hits the fan. So, you know, they're not stupid. They're looking at the same charts and the same data that we're looking at. And they say, okay, well, if demand is most likely going to fall off a cliff in the next two, three, four months. And you combine that with what they're seeing right now with all the banking stuff. And they say, okay, we're going to reduce the our output. So we kind of maintain that price level around 70, 80 bucks. That, that was his view. And I think that's what, I mean, I'm no oil expert, but that made a lot of sense to me. As you guys know, there are usually unintended consequences and intended consequences that are above and beyond just the price and supply-demand dynamics. So Joe Biden comes out, the administration, and uh, they obviously were criticizing the cuts. Uh, for them, this is, if you're the president, you're trying to fight inflation. Or if you're a politician in Europe, in the UK, and you've got inflation running at pretty much all-time highs, and you see OPEC doing this, that's not a good thing. That's most likely going to make your job a lot harder. Although, although, what's interesting is to go through the thought experiment as to how this would impact the aggregate total of consumer prices. Because I tend to think through this from the standpoint of a monetarist, like a Mil Milton Friedman type, not to put myself in that category. But, uh, you know, they would always look at the money supply first and foremost and kind of go from there. And I, I think that's wise to do that when you're thinking about oil being an input cost for everything, therefore the price of everything actually going up. All right, let's just assume the price of everything goes up, but there aren't more currency units. What happens then? You see, the price of everything can't go up it, unless the, the, the amount of currency units is going up. Now, the price of a lot of things can go up, like gas, you know, a lot of, but people are going to have to buy less stuff because their income isn't going to go up at the same rate as the price of oil. Let's assume it goes to $200 a barrel. So they're going to have to rob Peter to pay Paul. So that means that the, the price of the stuff they need is going to go up because they have to allocate more currency units to that, but they have to take currency units away from something else. Therefore, the price of the stuff they want most likely goes down. So an aggregate total, does inflation go up? Maybe. I mean, it, it depends. It, it's really... There's thousands of variables that are involved here. But I, I don't know that just because, especially longer term, I don't know that just because the price of oil skyrockets to 200, that means that the CPI as measured by the government would go up at the exact same percentage. There, there would have to be a give and take there uh, as far as taking money away from this so you can afford to buy this thing that you absolutely cannot live without. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of 
out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. Let's get back to the article. The relations now between the United States and Saudi Arabia, they're saying they have devolved into a war of words. At the end of last year, when the oil group agreed to 2 million uh, per day cut until the end of 2023, uh, that's kind of when it started, but this is just adding fuel to the fire. And they go on in the article to say how this makes filling the Strategic Petroleum Reserve much more difficult. And that may be kind of the geopolitical angle here, uh, assuming that prices remain high. And uh, again, going back to Anas uh, Alhaji, he was saying that uh, this might, it definitely has a temporary boost, that's for sure. You saw that chart that I use on the thumbnail. That's actually the price of oil. That wasn't some other chart. <laughs> that was actually what it did today. It went from, I don't know, uh, it was 70, 68, straight up to 80 or 83, uh, just when the market opened this morning. So that's a huge increase. And a lot of people are saying it's going to get to 95, 100, you know, keep going 125, who knows where it will stop. But in his view, that's probably not going to happen again because of that demand side. And he thinks that although it probably won't, that, that this price increase that we've seen most likely is temporary or this price spike, he said that by cutting this one plus million barrels per day is most likely going to set a higher floor on the price. So let's say that we get this big demand shock and uh, because of a, a, a global recession. Well, prices would have gone down to, let's say, 50 bucks a barrel or 40 bucks a barrel. And now his assertion was they'll only go down to 55 or 60, something like that. So it's not that, the, that this is a sustained price spike that's just going to keep going to infinity and beyond. But it, it, it's more so about the, the price floor that they have set by taking this action. And then I think, in addition to that, you've got to look at the geopolitical factors and what those, uh, Saudi Arabia in particular, but what those BRICS countries are, are saying to the United States by implementing this policy. So then the question becomes, how is this going to impact the Fed decision-making process? That's the topic of this article. Uh, this person, uh, there's a quote here, they say, but central banks might not deviate from the course of slowing down the hike in borrowing as uh, their views are chiefly shaped among core inflation figures, uh, which will not be much affected by the stronger oil price headline data. Okay, so they're saying that uh, the energy prices really aren't part of that core that they pay most attention to. So this might not really impact their decision-making process. Uh, but I would say that if your base case is that this is just a temporary spike and then it comes down, but when it comes down, it just comes down to a, a higher level than it would have due to the demand destruction, assuming we have a recession toward the end of this year or throughout this year, you know, probably not going to impact what the Fed does. I, I think that the way this will most likely play out is something the Fed continues to break things or we continue to see things break based on what the Fed's done in the past or the central planners. And due to things breaking, 
that's what prompts them to drop those interest rates back down to potentially even zero. And that's what brings the rate of inflation down significantly. Now, does it come to two, three percent? I don't know how far down it would come. It would come. But that's that disinflationary pressure because of that demand shock. And then it's about what the what the policy is from there, what the fiscal response, what the monetary response, probably more importantly, the the fiscal response. And that's when you most likely go into that next wave of inflation. But my point is, I think that tidal wave that's coming at us is going to be so extreme that it will overwhelm all these other variables, kind of the micro variables that we're talking about within this article as it pertains to what OPEC is doing and the price of oil. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. We'll see you in the next video.